lovingly dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Heather Parry, sniffly as ever, and with me is my co-host Kirsty Logan. Parry. <laughs> I was laughing because you like dead-eyed the microphone before you started speaking. You like fixed it with a hard glare and then spoke and it made me giggle. <laughs> so it knows I'm talking to it. <laughs> talking so to it's you. ready. Are you ready, microphone? Get ready. Get your fluffy hat on. So imagine Kirsty with a hard stare and me with runny eyes and another sniffly nose and us both wrapped up in a garden and that's where we are today. It's just our natural faces, I'm going to say. Ridiculous. I know. I really feel like, I like your idea of me being some kind of hate dominatrix. <laughs> I really feel like I should monetize my natural scowl. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Okay, so today we are doing, um, we're back at Nightmall Hair with Silent Scream. Well, we're like originally at Nightmall Hair because it's the one we should have done before we're where we, we should have begun <laughs> and didn't because we're disorganized. Um, so it is the Silent Scream, which at first I thought that's a stupid title, but I, having read to the end, I think it makes sense and I think it's kind of smart. Yeah, it's kind of like overused a bit, the silent scream, like it's the title of like short stories and all these kind of things, so, but it does work, that's why people use it all the time. Yeah, so tell us about this cover. Um, I really like this copy of this, in fact, yeah. let's see when it came out. I've, I'm clutching a cup of peppermint tea, so I'm going to do everything with one hand, Okay, cool. so that'll be useful. Um, this was... Um, 1994. What a good condition book. I know. That's ridiculous. Someone's kept it on their little, in a box in the attic. Yeah. Something. It's matte. And I like matte. So yeah. It's it matte like you. <laughs> it's one of those books I just want to finger. Oh. Uh, you can do that on your own time. <laughs> it won't be in this good of a condition. No, okay, no. so it's kind of like um like a burnt umber. <gasps> is that a word? Burnt sienna. Is, is umber a word? Yeah. Is that a colour? Okay. I, think, I thought it was more like brown, but maybe it's not. I don't know. You've been looking at more paint charts than me. <laughs> and yet, I don't know anything. <laughs> so it's a kind of like dark, burny orange. Um, and, I mean, again, we've got too many. We've got one. We've got four different fonts on the cover, which I don't like. There's a lot of text on the cover, and I'm not loving that. Yeah, Nightmare Hall is... Um, they've got it wrong, anyway. It should be Nightmare, Nightmare Hall. Hall. Well, what uh, is it from, from the top? Go from the top and d- read them as the font suggests okay. they should be read. Night horror. Night mall hair. <laughs> Where college is a scream. The silent scream. Diane Ho. Thanks. That um, was great. <laughs> so night mall hair is too tall. The letters are too thin and tall. And it's gold embossed with a dark blue uh, drop shadow, which I hate. Thanks. I hate it. Um, and it says Where college is a scream underneath. And it's quite a plain cover, which I think is why I like it. And then they it's always got, are these night mall hair ones. Quite yeah. simple. And then it's got this kind of um, burnt orange kind of like colour, like the middle is like the heart of a sunset and then it gets darker going out nice yeah thanks but like blended maybe you, know. you should do colour copywriting <laughs> it's not just uh, colour it's an M&S <laughs> colour um, I always wanted to do nail polish or lipstick colours like naming. name them <laughs> fierce fierce cat and things like that fierce cat I would buy fierce cat <laughs> guess what I've been dealing with today <laughs> naughty cats <laughs> oh no and then down the left hand side left hand left hand if I'm the book 
Does that make Fucking hell, um, I'm still quite ill. Is oh, afraid. That's a nice lamp that the next one was put out by the bin. Oh, I do need a lamp. Well, presumably it doesn't work, but maybe you fix it. Oh. Anyway, that was distracting. I'm getting Sorry. loads of shit off the street lately. My postman today Don't brought pick me a up book. Jobbies, Heather. <laughs> my postman came and brought me my like post, which I always go out and see him because I hear his little beep, and then oh, I go yeah. and meet him at the door. Bong. He's boop mm-hmm. boop. Um, and then yeah, he came back and he was like, "Oh, you read a lot of books, don't you?" And he he brought me a copy of um, Nabok- Nabokov's. Oh, I can never say his name. Nabokov's collected stories. He was like, you, I think you'd like this, wouldn't you? And I think oh. someone else was like throwing it out and he picked it up and brought it for me. How That's cute is so that? That's so nice. I know, it's really good condition as it's well. It's a gorgeous like, cover. He was like, maybe you'd want to disinfect it or something. I hope that's okay. I was like, oh, of course Just it quarantine is. it for a week or something. Yeah, I'll just give it a spritz. Anyway, on the left-hand side of this cover, there is a frayed um, rope, which is about to give. Not a frayed knot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I quite like it. Okay. I will continue to touch it creepily. As Thanks. This Stroke on. it. Um, I'm going to read you the first page, which I always forget to do, but I'm going to remember this time. So here we go. The house mother who found Giselle McKendrick hanging from the brass light fixture in her bedroom didn't scream. When she entered the room on the second floor of Nightingale Hall, an off-campus dormitory at Salem University, and found Giselle suspended, swaying gently above the shiny hardwood floor, Isabel Coates's mouth opened in horror, but she made no sound. For several minutes, the only sound in the bright and sunny room came from the birds outside, screeching in the huge oak trees, shadowing the tall, skinny, old brick house. Anyone got any adjectives? <laughs> Sheer white curtains at the narrow windows moved gently, ghost-like, stirred by a warm June breeze. As Mrs. Coates' wrinkled, brown-spotted hands rushed to cover her mouth, the neatly folded stack of white linens she was carrying hit the polished floor with a soft slap. Oh, she whispered. Oh, oh, oh. I think that's kind of horrible. Do the do the next bit. Carry oh, on. Okay. Young, pretty. Oh, hang on, you've put a sticky on it. Um, young, pretty Giselle McKendrick's body was a lazy pendulum swinging from the light fixture. She was wearing white shorts and a bright yellow halter top. Irrelevant, because of the rare early June intense heat wave. But that heat was oddly absent in the small square space. Giselle's bedroom was icily cold. Oh, I that, thought that was really good. It's quite good. The lazy pendulum as well is really know. evocative. Just this idea of like this sort of young beautiful girl like all dressed for a summer day and she's just it's quite horrible actually. Mm. it's quite scary I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say i really actually like this book i yeah. think i think i thought you would hate it no i didn't i thought it's really good i thought some of the writing was surprisingly good it's like diane on a good day i guess it's early diane before mm. she gave up <laughs> <laughs> i mean there are a few diane markers uh, that we'll come to but she's definitely not as egregious as usual no i will say Rain okay game. so here's what we have jessica vogged mm. vogged Vote, it's like it's Voigt? like it's like John Voigt, but without the I. So is V O G T? How would you say that? Vote, 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 vote. Let's say vote. Jessica, we're not going to use her name anyway. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> she goes by Jess for the rest of the book, so Jess has just arrived at Nightingale Hall. She's wearing khaki shorts and sandals, and she's got cheap brown luggage. So I kind of like her already, to be honest. That I'm like have cheap brown luggage to go to Nightingale Hall. <laughs> Nightingale now. <laughs> well, if that's the real name and it gets shot into Nightingale, that's, that's fine. true. That, that's a Sunday name. So here's the description because we're gonna actually spend the full book at Nightmare Hall, which is Nightmare Hair. It sounds wrong when I say Nightmare Hall now. Um, we're actually gonna spend the whole book there. So let's have a bit of description. Here we go. 
It was tall and narrow, three stories of brick, so deep a red and so shaded by massive oaks, it looked charcoal. Two of the dark green shutters flanking the tall skinny windows were hanging crookedly, and the wide wooden porch sagged just enough to make the house look a little drunk. A metal fire escape travelled from the ground up to the third story along the left-hand side. In case we ever need an escape route, Jess thought. I think I that's like good. That. Yeah. It's good. I quite like her as a character. Yeah. She's, like, pretty down to earth. Yeah, really rational as the book goes on. To the yeah. point of ridiculous at some points. But think too I like, rational. I, I like it how she's, like, it feels really grounded in the real world to start with. I mean, there are too many adjectives there. You don't need two. You don't need, yeah, just one. It kind of settles down, though. She just got overexcited at the start. <laughs> well, you know, it's happened to the best of us. It has. I mean, me every single day. I think Nightmare Hair actually sounds fucking amazing so it's this huge big old gothy house it's got a living room a dining room a kitchen and a library yeah they're like oh yeah we've gone here because it's cheap um how's that cheap excuse me i paid 65 pounds a week for my well i didn't pay it my parents paid it for my um university accommodation and it was a fucking shithole tell you what my student halls the living room dining room kitchen was one room and there were eight of us (laughs) we had um like there were, <laughs> ours was also off-campus dorms, and they were like in the shape of a Toblerone. So like the buildings were like long in the shape of a Toblerone. This is, this is in Manchester, if anyone knows it, University of Manchester, and it's called uh, Whitworth, Ho- Whitworth Park, I think. God, I should know, shouldn't I? Witty Why P. would you know that? Because that's I where I lived for a year. The name of my halls. Really? No. Oh, well, we formed an identity around it. And every, there was like a house, like a flat that was a slice of the Toblerone, if you can imagine it. Yeah. And the boys had the downstairs, and then we had the upstairs too. Because um, you can't have girls on the ground floor, apparently. Because the be air is too to heavy. We need the thinner, <laughs> less oxygen. <laughs> too much blood, or not enough blood, I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we had like one bathroom, and it was like a shower stall, like bathroom stalls, and yeah. like a shower in it. Which is always awkward when someone's having sex in the shower. Oh. <laughs> and we had this hideous little bathroom and a pokey little um, living room. So I'm like, yeah, I'd take Nightmare Hair. I know. I would go there now. I don't even care if it's expensive. I also love the idea of the house mother. What the fuck is that? They like cook your... Anyway, we'll get to it. <laughs> so, at Nightmare Hair, we meet the following characters. The love interest, Ian. He's got dark hair and a ponytail. He's wearing cut-off shorts. He's got a camera slung casually around his neck, which I find deeply obnoxious. Um, And Jess likes that he's got a little hook in his nose, so he's not too good looking. And she thinks to herself, boys who were too good looking seem to think the world owed them something. True. True, I like her. Yep. That is good. That's a good observation. And then we meet, it gets a bit Diane Ho, because we meet too many characters in too quick a succession. And some of the fucking names. Um, Do you think? Oh, we'll get to him. (laughs) We will get to him. Okay, so here's who we meet. We meet Rich Twat John, who has got... I thought you meant that was his name. Like Richard Twat. Richard Twat. (laughs) I was like, I've missed him. Right, that's what his name is now, Richie Twat. He's got wheat-coloured hair, blow-dried, and moussed perfectly in place. Oh, my God. That's how you know he's Richie Twat. (laughs) We also meet Linda, who is a swimmer. Linda Carlyle, who so immediately she was Belinda Carlyle in my head. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't think of that. Heaven is a place on earth, and it's not more hair. That is my heaven. <laughs> like a goth house where you just get to read books all day. And now, whenever I think of Belinda Carlyle, I think of like um, Happy Lesbians from that episode of Black Mirror. 
Oh, yeah. So now oh. I'm like, oh my God, it's like a happy lesbian goth house now. Oh my God, please let me go there. Please, <laughs> can it be real? That's my heaven is a place on earth. Okay, so we've got Belinda Carlisle, who's a swimmer. Uh, we've got Kath, who is an overachiever and quite uptight. We've got Milo, who is a pretentious poet. His name is Milo Keith. Milo Keith. If your surname is Keith, you cannot call your child Milo. What's wrong with that? Milo Keith. What's wrong with that? It sounds like a hot drink. Well, Milo is a hot drink in New Zealand. Uh-huh, that's where I'm getting it from. <laughs> Keith. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't... I'm not Milo. a fan of the name Keith. It's awful. Personally. I guess as a surname, you don't. You can't help it. Milo Keith. Ugh. We also meet... I think this is who you're referring to. <laughs> the handyman, whose name, inexplicably, is Trucker Swopes. Trucker Swopes. <laughs> Trucker Swopes, I'm fair. I'm pretty sure it is not a surname. <sighs> Trucker Swopes. Guess you can call yourself whatever you want. I mean, this guy called himself Rich Twat, so. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Well, I'm just going to do a little aside because do you know what I really like about this book? Is that it talks about money. Mm. Um, and I, I find, like, in a lot of these point horrors, particularly ones by Diane Ho, it's just like rich kids. Nobody ever talks about money, nobody ever has a job nobody really has to think about anything and in this one there's a lot of mention of money like Jess says that she worked all summer because quote college was incredibly expensive and her scholarship didn't cover everything mm-hmm. um, she buys her textbooks and she has to buy them second hand but they're still really really expensive which um, they are and then Linda later is terrified that she'll lose her scholarship because of a thing that happens that we'll get to and that's her main concern is that if she doesn't go to all of because she's on a swim scholarship and if she doesn't go to all the meetings then she'll lose her swimming scholarship she'll have to drop out and also there's a mention quite a lot of stuff about trucker that Jess notices that he's the same age as them so why is he working as a handyman Mm -hmm. Um, and he says well his dad my dad left when I was eight so I had to look after my family like step up and be the man which is so sad that is really sad my little youngest nephew's eight and he's like plays with lego and stuff i know like the thought of him having to take on that kind of responsibility is so sad it's very kind of like 1950s 1960s like uk i know that's still some people's reality now yeah but like especially where i'm from that's kind of like you know, a couple of generations back that would have been the story like some or like yeah i know people who've had to drop out of school to like support their families and you just think god that shouldn't happen now i know that's sad it is sad um so he's quite a sympathetic character for most of the book um and he's also doing night classes and he sort of makes a joke about it and says yeah you know i'll probably be studying for till i get a pension but i'll get there in the end which i think is really an admirable thing yeah um like he's a really nice character it seems like so yeah i just really like that that they're very conscious of money and like most of them are there because it's cheaper yeah so they couldn't afford to live on campus I also do like the point that college is just so expensive in America like I don't understand how anybody affords that and the thing is as well it's not like the student loan system here where um, I mean it's terrible because you know when I went to university it was 10 grand for the whole time and now it's like what is it between like 30 and 60 I mean in Scotland it's nothing yeah but sorry in in the rest of the UK Mm -hmm. I actually don't know about Wales in know. like Northern Ireland any listeners been to Union Wales or live in Wales let do us know, let us know. <laughs> I would like to know and Northern Ireland I don't know what the situation is either no me neither but also like if you 
take a loan out here you don't start paying it back until you're working and then you don't start paying it back until you earn over a certain amount of money so yeah you it but it's already taken out of your wages and they essentially will never come after you like you could owe that shit for the rest of your life and like pay it off 10 pence a day yeah forever and they'll never come after you it's like a psychological burden but it's not like enormously a burden actually um the brilliant claire bogan who runs three of press was talking about this on three Twitter. Cups press uh, three, yeah. What did I say? Three of three press. Of press. Oh my God. <laughs> three of cups press. Yeah, brilliant little um, publishing company. Was talking about this because she is from the states, and she was like, "I don't know if British people understand the concept of student loan in America because, like, yeah. you have to pay it back no matter what it seems there. Like, even if you die, your family pay it back. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. And like, but it can be like thousands. And then there were loads of people on Twitter saying, "I've paid like." $40,000 off my student loan and it's now bigger than it was when I took oh it out because the interest is so mad yeah I met a guy once who told me his um, college was costing his parents 40 grand a year which but must be like a, it must be like an, it must have been like an Ivy League school surely must have been, but like who's got that kind of money that's the very rich yeah that's who and it's like my god that's so immoral isn't that's it that's like the full more than the full annual income of most people I know yeah yeah exactly crazy Anyway, <laughs> so I don't really know why anybody... Well, I guess I do know why people go to college, because you kind of need to, to get a whole bunch of jobs. Well, yeah, I mean, like, the fact that... It's just become the norm now, hasn't it? Like, having a degree in anything is, is like, the baseline now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, for any sort of job that would be termed professional, and I mean that in inverted commas, because, of course, all jobs are professional. They're your profession. If you're getting paid to do work, it's Very true. So, yeah, wild. But, yeah, you don't often get that. Yeah, if you're getting paid to do it, then it has a value, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good Much point. like trucker. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, so anyway, they've all arrived at Nightmall Hair. Jess goes to her room. It's strangely cold. See, I had a sneaking suspicion that she might be Scottish because she's like, oh, it's really cold, but I'll just put on a jumper. No! <laughs> yeah, that's She's not me. like, I wonder if I can put the heating on. She's just like, extra jumper. She's like, oh yeah, it must be cold because of this... Um, basement and chimney and I was like oh god that's like me sat at home being like I've just got three outside walls and a chimney so I'll just put on five jumpers I mean why else do I have so many jumpers I might as well wear them all at once just like not be able to bend my arms (laughs) so then we meet the house mother Mrs Coates who remember found Giselle's body oh yeah must have been quite traumatic um unfortunately Mrs Coates' personality is fat (laughs) that's it yeah well, uh, well and then what she, can we say about that at this point? And she immediately fats down the stairs <laughs> and breaks a leg. <laughs> uh, it's not... Uh, oh, have, has there ever been a point in horror with good body positivity? The only one that had good po- body positivity was unintentionally in an R.L. Stein one where the hot... Well, the, we just the fat the girl off. sounded absolutely gorgeous <laughs> and, like, shagged everyone. And what was it she did, guys like other people do aerobics yeah <laughs> but I don't think he meant that <laughs> but she sounded like such a curvy babe like she sounded amazing I do think that was just kind of the 90s though wasn't it like yeah the worst thing you could do was be even like a pound overweight so it in my better days I think it just means the, the fact that it seems so egregious now means that we're on a road to a better place that's true on my more positive days I think that that's a good point mm-hmm. that's a good point um, yeah because you know you become very aware that like all the characters are white as well which I don't remember thinking about that as a teenager no. being like all oh, these characters are white because I mean I grew up in the Midlands and 90% of people that I knew were white yep. so 
guess I didn't really notice. Good to notice now. Um, so anyway, so she's fallen down the stairs, leaving them unchaperoned because she's meant to be there, I guess, to make sure they don't like <laughs> take mega drugs and shag. <laughs> Every They're day. at university. Well, what else are they going to do with their time? <laughs> and she also cooks their meals, which sounds amazing. Here's a way to make it cheaper to go to university. Don't pick the halls where you get your fucking meals cooked by some sort of, like, servant. I know. I mean, I suppose it depends. If your rent to stay there includes your, all your food, that's quite good. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose so. My... <laughs> we used to eat, like, like, beef stew out of a tin from Asda. And it was famously looked like dog food. So was it dog food? It, I mean, it could well have been dog food. It was like 15p a tin or something. But yeah, the idea of having someone bringing me a meal in fucking university is just beyond me. I don't honestly remember anything that I ate at uni. We, I remember the I must have eaten something because I did die, but I don't remember <laughs> what I had. I had like a real habit of eating a salad when we got home from a night out. You're such a weirdo. Like a sweet corn salad. I think it must have. I must have been like You're so really gross. concerned Who about my weight. A sweet corn salad. Don't you, just generally. So you went out, drank alcohol all night, and then you were worried about your weight. Look, alcohol incredibly. I'm not saying I had a very positive <laughs> relationship with my body. In fact, I was very stupid. But yeah, that and um, we had a very good takeaway on the corner, and then it was fucking dog food beef stew. Oh no. And the worst thing is, like, we can all really cook now. I remember my best yeah. mate had to teach me how to cut wedges, though. That's how far I've come. Oh. In my cooking journey. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being temporarily vegetarian and I came home from a night out really drunk and I thought, I better eat something to sort of have something in my stomach for the alcohol to absorb into. Yep. I don't really know what I thought. No, that works. And I had these little, uh, like, rice cake things. Oh. Like a almost, what do you call them? The aranciata, almost like that. Mm. Is that what they're called? I don't know. The little Italian risotto ball things. Oh, arancini. Arancini. Right. What's arancini? I have nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably something really offensive in Italian that I just made up. So um, so I ate that and then within about five minutes went and vommed in my sink. And it, but it was like just rice. <laughs> oh, and it, God. I just couldn't eat rice for about a year. Oh, my God. That's like... It was um, so horrible. <laughs> before, can you remember how there was a point uh, this year before coronavirus had happened? Mm-hmm. This year. Doesn't I do remember... Feel- a decade ago before coronavirus had happened well in the heady days of uh, the start of this year I got norovirus quite badly and um, David had just made me like a like a made you made me um, <laughs> uh, a leek like, like lemon and leek linguine nice like a creamy sauce and I vomited up so aggressively that I, can, I actually cannot even look at it now like a couple of times he's gone to make it and I'd be like I'm so sorry I can't I can't eat that and it's still like Ten months later, it was so bad. My God! I once, when I was probably about twenty-five, I was eating scrambled eggs, and they had a hair. It had a hair, and I like had the hair in my mouth. No, I couldn't eat eggs for probably about six years. Well, I'll tell you, grossed me out so much. Well, I'll tell you the worst food-based thing that's ever happened to me. I hope nobody's eating while listening to this. I used to live in Panama City in Panama, and I we used to go to this really, really cheap um, Chinese restaurant where the food was really delicious, but it was like three dollars. And um, one day I was eating there and I picked up a bit of tofu and there was an entire cockroach underneath it on my food. An entire cockroach. Oh my God, was it alive? No, it was dead. I don't know what I think's worse actually. And then they just tried to give me my money back and I was like, I don't need the $3. I'm trying to tell you that there's cockroaches <laughs> in your food. Like, 
It was so bad. I actually screamed and like stood up. Oh my god. I yeah. don't know if I would ever eat again. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to be since. like, can you put me on some kind of drip situation <laughs> because I just can't do it. I'm afraid I can't stand the sound of like solid food anymore. No. Awful. <laughs> I just have to drink from a straw forever now. <laughs> oh, or like only have clear food so I could see there was no bugs in it. Ooh. Okay, anyway. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. So they're all at the house. It's the first night in the house and they're alone because Mrs. Coates is in the hospital. The night is really spooky. It's gloomy. It's cold. The branches scratch at the windows. The shutters bang. The wind whistles and the lights flicker. And I just really, really want to live in that goth house. Mm. I just really want to be in the goth house, in the woods, about to do my undergrad, in the library. I want it. You couldn't make me be that age again. I mean, can I not be that age but have my brain? (laughs) I don't think I'd even want my body of that age. I I don't know, I just, I really like the thought of doing an undergrad again. Really? Yeah. You can just go back and do it now though. I know, but... Also, like, your life moves on in the meantime. They're a pack of wild dogs. I don't know what's going on with those dogs <laughs> over there. They want to be on the podcast, but they, do you think that child is winding up the I dogs? I think that child is running after that pack of wild dogs, yeah. <laughs> he, he's like, I'm a werewolf, let me join. I'm the werewolf of Fever Swamp. <laughs> You'll have to check out the Patreon no. for that. Um, yeah, no, I just would, I, I guess what I would really like, see if you could pause time. If I could pause time for a year... I would just go and study something that mm. has no relevance really to me or my life. You mean like me and my law degree dream? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But you kind of need to be able to stop time because you're like, I can't really take that much time out of my real, real life. life. Yeah. But it would be nice. And to me, like me doing my undergrad was taking time out of my real life because mm. I didn't have kids. Well, I don't have kids now. I mean, I didn't have any responsibilities, didn't have anything that I had to do. It was great. Mm. My mum did her MA in her 50s, though, so... Good for your mum. Maybe 40s and 50s is a good time to do that. Maybe, because, like, if you've had kids, then they're away, and... Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Good for your mum. Nice one, yeah, Mrs. Parry. good on her. I mean, it was work-related. Mrs. Parry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I'm just going to do bullet points, because a bunch of spooky stuff happens. Here are all the spooky things that happen. They all tell stories to creep each other out, including Giselle's suicide... Uh, John, what's he called? Rich, Rich Twat, Richie Twat wonders if she's hot because that's always the first question when someone's dead. <laughs> How hot is she? What was she wearing though? What was she wearing? How attractive was she? I remember reading a novel, I won't mention which one, uh, but it was by an old white writer, old right, white male writer, and it, it's this description of this murdered teenage girl and like her ghost comes back to haunt this guy, and she's described as almost beautiful. Oh, well, that's important. I was like, number one, what a shitty phrase. Number two, really, that's your thought? <laughs> the ghost of a murdered teenage girl. And you're like, how hot? Scale of one to ten. Well, this is all very strange because this week, um, the brilliant uh, Nyla Ahmed recommended to me a book called Necrophilia Variations. Have you heard of it? No, I feel like I would remember if I had. My God, it's by this dude, I think, called Super. Dude question? <laughs> dude. Let me actually Google it really quickly because okay. I feel like it was mid-90s, but he did these like really bizarre books. Um, I'll give you some titles. Can you imagine telling your granny that that was your book title? <laughs> oh, darling, you've got a book published. What's it called? Necrophilia Variations, or perhaps Extraterrestrial Sex Fetish, Perversity Think Tank, and Post Depravity. This and is Nyla, so 90s. It must be 90s. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> she was like, how have you not read these? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> this sounds so me. You would have remembered, it seems like, if you had read them. Right? They sound very Hubert Selby Jr. <laughs> Apparently... 
Oh my god, is it? No, no, that's a different thing. Um, but you know the historical reading thing? No. Um, you do. No. Where, like, Steyer and people like that read something while someone, like, like masturbates them. What like, the fuck under are you the talking table. about? It's like these, this, like, video series. So, I think like, you dreamt this. No, no, what no. weird little corners of the internet do you <laughs> exist on? It exists. You know Steyer? No. Oh, she's, she's like a, like, pornographic actress, but she's, like, super intelligent. Not to say that they aren't usually but like very like um, visibly uses her intelligence in her work I yes suppose. and like outspoken in a lot of ways and like speaks up in the industry speaks out against like different things um and yeah she's just like really cool as well like really cool um talks about a lot about reading and things like that so yeah she did one where she read something and i think it might have been necrophilia variations that she was reading from while someone used like a hitachi magic wand underneath the table but why on her i don't know why but like why i just don't feel like i could read well or come well no that's the, that's why it's kind of funny and cool okay um, you're gonna have to watch it now. Read shitly and be sexually frustrated. <laughs> yes. Isn't that what we all want? Cool. I know so many people that are having that life. <laughs> anyway, my point was that that could be a description from necrophilia variations. It could be. She was dead, but she was almost hot. Almost hot. <laughs> was she hotter when she was alive? Who knows? Well, the you know the main uh, thing I've read so far in the book is like, would you prefer to be sexualized when you're dead, or would you prefer to be like absolutely nothing that just gets rotted away? And I was like, go on. <laughs> I think I know the answer. <laughs> I think I wouldn't want to. Can I not? Can I not be just neither? Can I not just be something that's treated with gentle respect? I reckon if you lock my head off, you I know, wouldn't like, mind. Like you would treat like I don't like a granny or a baby. Like you would just kind of be gentle and nice to them. Can I not yeah. have that? No. Well, you know you can <laughs> I have, have to that. be either sexualized or <laughs> thrown in a pit. <laughs> I do think that's the standard. Yeah. I it would hope so. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so here's another spooky thing that happens. When they're telling the story, as they say the word suicide, a window slams upstairs. Then, Jess sees, she sort of wakes up in the night and she sees this shadow on the wall that sort of sways like somebody hanging, which is quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the pendulum. Exactly. So there's basically a bunch of stuff happens in this book that I'll go through and it, one half of it is kind of slight haunting and the other half is like minor menaces and they're separate, but... That, that also happens. Muddy footprints appear in the hall and then disappear. Like, as Jess starts scrubbing them, they just sort of disappear. That is quite which cool. Which is weird. I know, right? This is, like, better than the usual Diane Ho, I have to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, when Jess is buying her secondhand textbooks, she gets Giselle's old textbook. That is cool. Which, what well. are the odds? <laughs> That's great. Um, also, Jess and Ian get photos done in a photo booth and this ghostly face appears on the picture. And they don't recognise the face, but later they see a picture of Giselle and it's her. <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god! And then this this is moving from ghostly into menacing. Uh, Jess is in her room and she finds all these like documents and stuff that have fallen under the dresser, like under the furniture. And she finds a photo of Giselle with the face scribbled out and this menacing note that's signed from your forever love. Um, can I just say that it is weird that bit, given what our next book is, which is Face Taker. <gasps> Oh yeah. That they talk about a photo booth and then they've got a photo strip with like someone's face um what's the word? Interfered with. Ooh, what a phrase. Sorry. That's horrible. <laughs> I do think that's interesting though, and do you not find quite often when you read books, but you're just reading them in a random order, books that aren't connected to one another, they sort of speak to each other like that. Oh my god, I love when you start out on a project, a writing project, and then like 
everything you read seems to feed into it. Yeah, it's like when you listen to a song and you're like, it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> everything <laughs> like, you read, you're like, this is about my book. And like sometimes you look back at your notes and you go, no, that's actually completely relevant. But it's like you turn yourself on to like the vibrations of what's coming at you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're casting out your net, but you don't even realize it like more so than usual. So then you grab these things and then you go, well, I'll have them. Yeah, for sure. I feel like when you're writing something, it's almost like you put different glasses on, mm. like glasses with like weird lenses on them so that everything you see, you see it through the lens of your book. Yeah. Or it's like having this massive sieve or something and the world pours through the sieve and you're catching mm. everything that's relevant for your book. Yeah, like yeah. you say, whether it really is or not, it's just your head's in that space. And then sometimes even if it's not, you're making that connection and that's part of the project as well. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I think a lot of writing is just having one idea and then connecting other ideas to it and then seeing what happens. I love writing. Yeah. I mean, I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> so the other day I tweeted something like, God, writing feels good sometimes. And our, uh, my very good friend, Anna Heat Beirut, was like, sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Huge if true. <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, so, do you know, actually, just as another brief aside I have found writing a real comfort this year mm. like really at the start of the year sort of March April I found it really hard to focus on anything other than like my mind was just this constant brrr, just panic but once I got into it I really found it helpful to be writing a book because it's like this other place in your mind that you can go to when the real world is just a bit shite <laughs> you can be like well I'm not even here I'm in this other world in my head yeah which has been really nice yeah, it has been nice um, okay, so back to the book, this book. So we've had all the spooky goings on. We also have some minor menaces. The following, Kath, uptight Kath, uptight Kath. <laughs> Her essay goes missing. Um, and then uh, Linda, Belinda Carlisle, her swimsuit is shredded, which is- Heaven is a place on <laughs> Sorry, that was really- really is a shred on it. That was really gross. That was- really weird yeah actually. i don't know that. where you were going with that i was all. trying to i don't know i overreached <laughs> so often it was happens. a real reach around that so <laughs> which is horrible and sort of aggressive and violent but also it means as i said she worries that she will lose her swimming scholarship which yeah. is pretty horrible um also i love this i mean i hate it but i love it jess's drawer is full of worms which made me think of the other book that we did this season this is my house brenda shrieked you can't fill it with worms (laughs) that was the first one of this series wasn't it (laughs) you will need to go back to halloween night (laughs) two to find out more about brenda and her house full of worms (laughs) um so and again she's pretty chill about it i mean she sort of panics at first but then she's like oh they probably came up from the basement and you're like see she's rational that's, that's what I like also, about it also like can worms climb that high well this is why I'm rational to the point of ridiculous <laughs> how high can a worm climb <laughs> the true question for the ages how, so then what's the what's the woodchuck thing how much wood, wood could a woodchuck how, how high high can a worm high worm, worm, I'm gonna stop right there how many floors can a worm climb am I on drugs if a worm <laughs> could climb high <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway then we find out <laughs> that Giselle was fighting not arguing physically fighting with someone the day she died who could it be oh my god and then our red herring milo the pretentious poet uh, we find out that he went to school with giselle but they fell out and he (laughs) didn't tell anyone that he knew her and so they confront him and he basically just accepts it all and then leaves 
Um, later it's revealed that he has a really strong, undeniable alibi and Jess feels really bad that she made up her mind about him too soon because she didn't like him. Which I think is a moment of self-reflection that you don't often get in Point Horror. Yep. The characters very rarely accept that they've made a mistake or done anything wrong. As in real life. <laughs> exactly. But I quite like that, that she was like, I just didn't like him and I thought he was a dick, so I was too quick to believe that he'd done something wrong. See, I have these in real life where I like judge someone on my first interaction with them and then later on like get to know them but it so often happens that I get to know them more and I'm like oh no actually the correct one was my first instinct yep <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think has that ever gone the other way it must have I can't remember though I've de- very definitely hated people on site who are now like really good friends yeah that's true but I have I remember doing a, a book event once and I was sharing it it was many years ago and the, the author came in and he absolutely reeked of aftershave and he had his hair like all slicked back and his shirt was all buttoned right up to the top and I had like an actual physical recoil from how gross I found him and I was like no because he was like I don't know just everything about him the aftershave and the hair and the shirt I was just like ugh and I was like Kirsty, you actual bitch like don't be so judgmental mm. he's probably a really nice guy and maybe he's just not very confident or something but yeah it turns out he was a fucking wanker <laughs> a homophobic piece of shit oh no so i was right in the first place <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's talk about the characters for a minute because there are always too many characters in diane Hope books but i think she really gets away with it this time mm-hmm. because i could actually keep them separate like usually with the diane Hope book you've got all these characters and you're like who's that what's she doing and there's also like entire families and i think that's why that's not it's not bad here yeah they're all separated yes i just think they were quite i could sort of keep them all separate in my mind who was who and what was their different personalities i mean their personalities were simplistic but mm-hmm. you could tell them apart and in a book this length you can't really have a really intense character study of seven characters can yeah you? um also, Linda has this fragile masculinity bit that I really quite enjoyed. Can I um, also just say, for anyone, uh, that's the bin, bin lorry. The bin lorry is coming. So, sorry about that. <laughs> just all the happenings of the neighbourhood, the Glasgow neighbourhood today. So, Linda, she's the swimmer, uh, Belinda Carlisle. She seems very confident, but she says that she's never dated any boys. And this is what happened, what she says. Jess sort of looks at her like, why there's no reason that you wouldn't and she says i'm a big girl jess bigger than most of the guys in my high school the ones who did tower over me were jocks and they weren't keen on dating a hotshot girl athlete so i really like that that she's like basically i didn't date any boys because i'm really tall and i'm great yeah and they couldn't fucking hack it i'm tall and ripped and despite also being tall and ripped and setting their entire personalities around it they did not want that yeah, exactly. Weird. Like, even the jock boys didn't want someone who was, like, stronger and faster than them, mm. which I was like, that's a real fragile masculinity thing. Yep. Also, I have to say, I do luckily know no partners of friends that I have right now, but in the past I've had friends whose partners just really couldn't handle them being successful. Mm. In any way, they couldn't handle them being good-looking. I had friends who were a bit overweight when they got together with their partners and then they lost the weight and then the guys just couldn't handle it even though they were literally the same person. It's really ridiculous. Or even if they were very successful in their careers, they just couldn't hack it. Mm. So I just want to do a big shout out to all the many, many men out there who are so proud of their beautiful and successful partners. Good on you. Good on you, yeah. And why shouldn't you be? Mm-hmm. You should be. Every time Annie succeeds, which she does a lot because she's amazing, I'm just so proud. 
I'm really lucky that David is my biggest fan. It, like it, he, he thinks I'm much better than I am, which is amazing <laughs> for me. Because <laughs> I think he's accurately brilliant because he is. But you support him a lot as well. Yeah, he's just an excellent person. He's much better person than I am. Much more intelligent, knows a lot more. And I, I'm very proud of that. Also a little bit annoyed. No, I'm kidding. He's better than me as well. <laughs> if I'm no. ever like, am I the asshole? Then yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm David's rarely the asshole. Very much the, the dickhead and the less attractive one in my relationship. And I'm absolutely <laughs> fine with that. And it's totally okay. Do you know what? I don't know why you think that, but you seem to. So I think you're both equally beautiful, equally matched. I think you're great together. Anyway, well, thanks for that. Little I really like that. Um, what I also liked is that Kath is a snob. Jess doesn't really like Kath because she thinks of Trucker as, quote, the handyman and not as a friend like the others do so all the others will like if they go out to the pub or whatever that or the bar I suppose they call it then they will invite Trucker with them and like Kath doesn't she sort of thinks he's the help Hmm. and looks down on him that is a good way to like tell anyone how they like treat anyone who's like technically staff yeah like yeah also I think if you're a dick to them that shows you've never been staff it makes me think yeah exactly it makes me think of the is it a Tony Ben quote Maybe it's someone else. And he said something like, um, how a country treats like refugees is how a country would treat its citizens if it could get away with it. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of that as well. How a person treat like technically staff or someone like in a working environment mm-hmm. is how they would treat other people around them if they thought they could get away with it as well. For sure. Yeah, it's, that's the key, isn't it? If you think you can get away with it. Yeah, if you, it's just having some sort of power differential and then like abusing it to be mean to people is just so shit. Yeah. Don't do that. Also, don't forget about uh, John, Richie Twat. Um, He is the worst, and I'll tell you why. Because he says the phrase, going for eats. (laughs) Which I hate so much. If someone said, do you want to go for eats? I'd be like, well, not now. Did he grow up and um, start Uber? And then do Uber Eats? Oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. People who say eats also say bants. You know, let's go for some eats and have some bangs. Can I also just recommend to everyone, there's a, an episode of The Dollop where they talk about Uber and what a complete sack of shits they are. Oh. They're so bad. Uber is so bad. Oh, very good episode. Okay, very I'll funny. to that. Uh, podcast pals. Well, we've decided, we don't know them. We've just decided they're our pals. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're at the end now. The whole book is basically like them doing like fun college stuff and also uh, bits of menacing and haunting. And here's what happens at the end. Jess stays in the house by herself when everyone else goes out. Someone attacks her and locks her in the cellar and tries to gas her, which is quite horrible. Oh, I just thought, do you think the bin men are going to come here? Yeah, I was thinking that. Also, just as you said that, there was like a screaming sound from the general bin man direction. I was like, is this part of What's the story? Happened? Have yeah, you arranged maybe. this for the time of the podcast? We're doing a live horror experience here. <laughs> I'm almost certain that they're going to come over here. Immersive theatre. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up then. So he, someone tries to gas her. She escapes. It turns out the killer is Trucker. <gasps> Not a trucker. The tr- trucker. trucker. Trucker swoops. Um, Sorry, I can't get over that name. And I know. Well, I don't think it's his real name, though. I think he has taken it on. Oh, okay. It's not his, his given name. <clears throat> and then we have this moment. One second, Trucker was almost upon her, the wicked wire necklace in his hands. Can I also say that's a horrible way to die? Yeah. Fucking garrot, that's awful. And she knew she was about to die. 
But in the next second, the wet photograph of Giselle ripped free of the rock holding it hostage, lifting itself up out of the babbling creek and whooshed through the air to plaster itself across Trucker's face. It moulded itself to his features like a second skin, blinding him and effectively sealing off his air passages. As Jess watched with her mouth open, her eyes wide in disbelief, Trucker dropped the wire circle to claw frantically at the sodden, smothering photograph. It remained firmly plastered to his face. Anyway, so he dies, like suffocated by the photo of Giselle. That's who a lot, he killed. isn't it? Well, oh yeah, it turns out he killed her because uh, she said that they were going to be a couple. But then she went off to college and was like living her life. Oh well, that's a, that's fine then. That's sensible. Mm. And so he killed her and made it look like suicide. <sighs> but then she murders him from the grave, which I quite liked. Good for yeah. you, Giselle. Yes. You get your revenge. <laughs> I read um, I read a tweet today that was like life tips or like filmmaking tips from Werner Herzog, and which were, as you can imagine, amazing. Amazing. And one of them was um, take revenge if necessary. And I feel like <laughs> what an amazing <laughs> phrase. <laughs> take revenge if necessary. That's what she's done there. It was necessary, it was necessary. and she's done it. Good on her. It was good. Um, do we have? I didn't see really any '90s things um, or American things apart from uni being ludicrously expensive yeah no I didn't oh wait I've got a uh, no I haven't thanks <laughs> I've got a Paris favorite line though yeah I'm ready and it's the entire note that they okay. find uh, because I just love how this is written okay <clears throat> dear Giselle your time has run out you've stalled long enough you haven't answered any of my phone calls or letters I'm so I'm coming there and you'd better be ready to leave with me I'm not taking no for an answer your forever love I just feel like it's like tonally so all over the place. It is a bit. You've started long enough. I haven't answered any of my calls. So I'm coming there like a little prissy. Like, I'm coming there and you better be ready. And what are you going to do about it? You're forever love. I didn't see any fashion or any queer subtext personally. I feel like Linda is a tiny bit queer coded, but maybe I'm just projecting that. I mean, we usually are. But I mean, that doesn't usually stop us. So let's say it. <laughs> let's just say it. She's queer. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> She's like a tall, hot swimmer, so I feel like if the boys aren't biting, just switch. I, yeah, I want to be held for slightly too long by a really hot, muscled swimmer. She could, like, do you up against the wall. <laughs> oh, be great. Well, like, put, anyway, I'm not going to go Yeah, uh, We're getting too far into the weeds there, into the sexy weeds. <laughs> um, do we have a Too Stupid to Love heroine? No, she's um, very rational. Yeah, I really like her. I think she's really resourceful. She's sensible. And I think she's funny because there was this bit that I really liked. So when so Linda fancies uh, Milo for unknown reasons. And when she's going on a, quote, date to the library with Milo, she asks Jess what she should wear. And Jess says this. What should you wear to the library? Well, spike heels, definitely. And if you have any diamond earrings, wear those. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, you're so cute. Like, <laughs> I think she's funny. Dresses up. Yeah, I like her. She's like got her head screwed on probably a lot more about like the state of the world mm-hmm. as well than I would have at 18. Yeah. Is that when they go to college? Yeah, 18, I mean, yeah. It, I think you can be like between 17 and however old you want. I think most 19. people are like <laughs> 17 to 20 yeah, first okay. year. I definitely wasn't that like engaged with things. And I definitely would have whinged about the heating on uh, rather yeah. than put a jumper on. I'd have been like, I want to wear my tiny shorts and not be cold. Someone deal with that. I want to have the heating on all day. <laughs> I want to eat my dog food stew in warmth, please. Do you know what I just remembered you've not done for ages? Is that voice that you used to do. The, the whiny voice like this. <laughs> you like, mean not David's that that's voice. your actual voice, but you do it as like a piss take, but you haven't done it for ages. Maybe no one's been pissing me off. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, I was quite annoyed all of yesterday, so that's not true. But Did you do the voice? No, but let's say that somebody broke our toilet seat. And then I had to spend... Somebody what? Broke our toilet seat. And I had to spend £45 on a fucking toilet seat. You could have just fixed it. No, it's... No. It is completely smashed. It's in, like, the back. Well, I broke our toilet seat because I continually sit on the lid. So, like, I'll just sit... Like, if I want to brush my teeth or whatever or put my face creams on or whatever, I'll put the lid on and, like, sit on the toilet and, like, shift around and stuff. And Annie's like... That's Don't not what it's that. for. Yeah. It's not for sitting on. I'd, I was just was completely smashed by someone's really hefty butt. And, um, oh, hefty butt. That's <laughs> a good phrase. No, hefty Bloomfield butt. Hefty butt. And then you go, it's one of those things where you go, oh, fucking hell, how much is a fucking, like, good toilet seat? Because you don't want to get a plastic one as well. So you're like, oh, God, it's going to have to go with the bathroom. And then you go, wow, £95 for an oak toilet seat. I, Shut up. I, didn't, I got the much cheaper one instead. But I was like, I actually cannot bring myself spent £100 on a fucking toilet seat. You know what else happened? I made a bunch of brownies for someone and I gave someone three brownies and then he came back and ate the fourth. And I was kind of bringing this up. They must good though. They were quite good. But I brought this up and he was like, actually, I didn't eat all of the other three. I gave one to a homeless man. And I was like, what? I bet really? that's a lie. <laughs> that's what my dad told me when I was probably about four or five and I lost my security blanket. And he told me he'd given it to a homeless girl. Aww. And so I was like, well, okay then. And he went and bought me a new one. And then literally years later, like I must have been 20, I said, oh, hey, Dad, do you remember when we were in Denmark and you gave my blanket to a homeless girl? And he was like, no, you left it in the hotel. <laughs> and I knew that if I told you that, you would want to go back and get it. And I was like, what? Wow, emotional manipulation. I much. believed that for so many years. <laughs> now looking back, that was a cruel thing to do. Like... A homeless child and you just gave her a blanket you didn't give her money or anything <laughs> but she was fictional my uh, a cat that i had when i lived abroad um we had to rehome her because you couldn't bring she would have had to have been in quarantine for six months in heathrow um and she, six months yeah wow yeah because she is from outside the accepted area um and she was already like very mentally ill and couldn't be in like um the carry case for a long time so the vet actually recommended i put her down and I just couldn't. So she was rehomed and she was rehomed on a farm. But every time I talk about this and I'm like, yeah, she, she went to live on a farm. David is a hysterical with laughter and then makes everyone think that I just killed the cat instead. And I find or it really... Or someone killed it and told you that it's on a farm. I do. Really quite stressful. Yeah. Okay, do we have a sexy sociopath bad boy? Mm. I'm going to say it's Trucker because he's described as hot. She says he's good looking. But he's also described as looking like Tom Selleck right <laughs> so i was just picturing a mustache just a big mustache with legs that's I mean, what i could see tom selleck was hot well so that's what i thought i was like i don't consider tom selleck to be hot but maybe he's daddy now yeah. like giles from buffy at the time i just thought he was an old guy but now that i'm re-watching it i'm like wow giles is daddy he is <laughs> so i went back and looked and i'm sorry tom selleck is not hot Oh, come on. No, even in at his peak, he just wasn't hot. I'm sorry. I'm looking at pics now. No, I'm... No. <laughs> I mean, as, as we know, we've never agreed on whether a man is attractive or not in no. our entire lives. All right, he is... He's in very small shorts here in the, one, in the picture I'm looking at. He's quite hairy, which a lot of people really like. I don't really. Um, he still has the moustache, but he's, his face can kind of pull it off. Um, I mean, he did date Monica and Friends. Yeah, that's fiction. <laughs> not real but everyone did think he was hot then i know i remember thinking he was hot then but having looked at pictures i was incorrect i mean i also fancied ross out of friends so 
What the what, fuck was I thinking? What is wrong He's with you? He's clearly the worst one. Nobody I fancies that. Ross. I accept that. Maybe I took pity on him. Because do you know I always fancied the one in the boy band or the girl band that was like the least popular? I think I took pity on them. Or maybe I thought I would have a more of a chance. I always <laughs> fancied the one that looked like they were most on drugs. So like Shane out of Boyzone, oh, yeah. Chandler from Friends who did turn out to be on quite a lot of drugs. All, all of the like ones who kind of like didn't make it so they put them in as the bad boy. Cool. So I like losers and you like drug users. (laughs) Yay! Good thing we've ended up with decent partners. Look at that picture of Tom Selleck. No. He looks really handsome. He looks handsome. I don't think he looks hot, though. (laughs) Maybe at 18 he was hot. Maybe he was. Anyway, the death toll is two. I guess Giselle dies before the book starts, and also Trucker. One and a half, maybe. One and a half. Uh, Is it good, though? I did quite enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a good toxic masculinity slash domestic violence message which coming back to the silent scream I was like that's stupid that doesn't make sense but then I'm like no like people talk of domestic violence as being like a silent scream right that people usually women although not always ask for help but like it's not heard yeah so I thought that was actually pretty smart um particularly like that's pretty interesting for a teenage audience to Mm. have that message in the book yes we always enjoy books that have a positive message yes I liked Jess a lot Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the gothy spooky setting. Mm-hmm. It was like Diane, but reined in Diane, which is best. Yeah, muted Diane. Yeah, it's like the opposite of CBC. Like, Diane Ho. <laughs> Where is you want Caroline B. Cooney, but you want Diane Ho. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Turn Caroline up, turn Diane down. <laughs> <laughs> also, so it's got the good toxic masculinity, plus a ghost, plus the setting that was really fun and cute. Like, I really like the scenes where they're all in the kitchen, like larking about and cooking awful food because nobody knows how to cook and then they go and study like it's really nostalgic um i feel like it's a very 90s horror style horror story like i was imagining it as a film Mm. with like rebecca gayhart and jonathan taylor thomas yeah oh my god jt that kind of thing uh i think i liked it i think the opening couple of pages really made it for me like it's just really good like spooky and sad yeah should is five too high I mean, a four for sure. Let's go four. Let's go four. Is it good bad though? Mm, it's not really bad. No, like, like one two? for good bad. Oh yeah, one for good. It's bad just bad. pretty good. Yeah. Nice one, Diane. Well done, Diane. I actually like that. Usually we're like, don't buy this book. We'll just tell you what happens. But like, <laughs> this is a fun one. See what you can do, Diane, when you really try. I know. Like, come on. We believe in you, Diane. <laughs> we really do. Will you? We're gonna come back to Night Mall Hair in future episodes. Will you do it again? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> um, and what are we doing next? Week. We're doing an Unleashed. <gasps> We're doing Face Taker. They're always scarier. Yeah, this one's um, this one's chaotic. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Love a bit of chaos. It's just, and they're really British. They're really, really British. This we'll one especially, I think. Um, until then, you can find us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore and on Instagram at Teenage Scream Pod. And if you want to be in our special little club, you can go to patreon.com slash Teenage Scream Podcast where you get uh, some options. And then if you become a meatloaf and who doesn't want to, you get a bonus episode every month and a pin badge and our eternal love. Yay! See you next week. Bye!